From Carter Subaru Studios, it is Cairo Knights. My name is Zach Burns. Joining me, as always, is G. Scott. The online trading academy text line is open, 98973. So, G., this has been a very, very difficult story for me to follow. Uh, I own two cats. Uh, Of course, though, it's almost impossible to avoid because Thurston County right now is the home of a serial killer. Now, not not a human serial killer at this point, but someone has killed seven cats now. Seven cats. Not just killed them, but also mutilated them. Yep. And the concern is, is this is the sort of behavior that is first enacted on animals. And, of course, that's tragic. But eventually escalates into humans. That we're finding cat bodies now, a few years down the line, will we start finding people. Joining us right now to talk about this he is a forensic psychologist, got a PhD from Sam Houston State University, Dr. Daryl Turner. Dr. Turner, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I know that it's conventional wisdom that okay, at first you do this sick sort of behavior against an animal because the re- repercussions are less, your chances of getting caught are less. But is it really true that this sort of behavior that is first enacted against animals eventually translates into doing the same sort of thing with human beings? It is. It absolutely is linked. And if you think about it, um, it's hard to put in to any kind of terms that aren't super grisly. Yeah. But if you think about someone that has an interest in politics, for example, they don't. their first move isn't to run for president of the United States. There's a warming up process. If you think about your own... Um, you know, this this kind of behavior calls to mind um, people that progress into violent uh, sexual acts. So if you if you can think to yourself just in privacy of what your own, um, you know, sexual fantasies were when you were younger, teenager, you obviously didn't have that first experience. There were fumblings and, and things like that, awkward moments. So this is what you're seeing with someone that's doing this kind of damage to animals. You're seeing someone that is having fantasies that they have now stepped across the line from living in their head about to actually putting their hands on a living being um, to engage in these kind of acts. So it's extremely concerning. If, if these cats were just being killed, would you still think the same that this is a future serial killer in the works or is it the mutilation that really escalates it to a different degree? Well, the mutilation certainly escalates it to a different degree. Um, When you have someone who is not only killing animals, but who is mutilating animals, and these aren't, so from the information that I've received, which is limited, these cats had names, some of them at least. They were not feral alley cats. These were pets. So they were, um, you know, somewhat centralized to a location, a home that is where they were fed and cared for. Um, it, it, it's concerning because the amount of contact necessary, um, to engage in that sort of mutilation is a lot different than driving by and shooting a cat with a BB gun, mm-hmm. for example. Right. So it's a very, it's a very, you know, and it's, it's, as you said, they're cats, it's not people. And so it's different, but at the same time, it is a very interpersonal type of violence. So it is it is a very different um, animal, so to speak, looking at this type of mutilation as opposed to just, 
random killing. Dr. Turner, um, so far there have been seven cats uh, since October and actually two within the last 48 hours. When you hear that, what concerns you about uh, the frequency of that, if you will? Well, it's escalating. So what we're talking about is someone that's engaging in a behavior that is going to escalate to either more frequent um, or more violent. Uh, more disturbing behavior. And one thing that I think it's hard to use the word exciting in a case like this, but from, from my point of view, you know, I deal with offenders who have already done the horrible things they're going to do in my career and talk about risk and what was going on in their head at the time. But I think what's great about the attention that's being paid to this case is this is really the front end. This is, this is not someone playing or experimenting. This is someone getting started in a very dark way and people don't go down from this. Uh, they only get worse from where they are. So I think the fact that what we're seeing is the frequency increasing, what that would tend to show is that the murder itself of the cat the mutilation of the cat is starting to become not enough. And that's where the concern is when, when killing cats isn't enough and mutilating cats isn't enough. What, What's next? And it's not com- it's not uncommon to see if you look at, again, Jeffrey Dahmer or if you look at the Son of Sam cases, there's a series of murdered German shepherds in that case. And Jeffrey Dahmer as a teenager with his obsession with roadkill and taking dead animals back to his home. And when I co- conduct an evaluation, quite frankly, it's one of the first questions that you ask about their childhood. You know, any history of hurting animals, torturing animals. Right. It's very, very common among people that go on to do really horrible things. Dr. Turner, um, in in this case, uh, hopefully that this individual gets caught because this is just a very, it's a tragic thing that's happening. If in the event this person does not get caught, is there a possibility that someone like this, if they don't get caught, would stop on their own? You know, conventional wisdom for a long time was that people that do this type of thing don't stop on their own. They either die or they go to prison or something like that. But when we look at cases like the Green River Killer and the BTK Killer, we see that, you know, there could be a decade or so go by where they, for some reason or another, have decided to stop and then pick up again. So chances are, um, as it's escalating the way it is, I would think that if this person isn't caught now, uh, it doesn't bode well for the future. It doesn't look like this person is slowing down at all. But the reason I bring up those earlier examples is to say say that it's, it's not impossible. But the importance of catching this individual or individuals now um, is at least, you know, there's a possibility for therapeutic intervention. Um, At least they can be, you know, on supervision monitored in some, in some way. Because obviously the concern is, aside from more murdered cats, obviously, you know, that that this uh, progresses into um, killing human beings. Yeah, we're talking to Dr. Daryl Turner, forensic psychologist. Dr. Turner, I'm going to guess that this is a younger person. How common is it for someone, say, in their 40s and 50s to start experimenting like this? It's not common. By the time you're 40 and 50, you're pretty much set in what it is that 
uh, interests you, excites you, motivates you. This is the kind of behavior that you see from someone that, um, as you said, tends to be younger. Again, nothing is outside of the realm of possibility. And when you're investigating a case like this, one of the worst things you can do is box yourself into categories or preconceived notions of, you know, this stage, that stage, phase number A, B, C. But we do tend to see this in younger people who um, have not so far progressed to the point of um, attacking or killing humans. Um, we generally start to see this type of behavior in um, conduct disorder children uh, beginning before age 12, uh, before age 15. We look for behaviors like hurting animals, torturing animals, um, setting fires, um, you know, skipping school, shoplifting, uh, things of that nature. Okay, that, that's it, what I was going to ask you actually next, Dr. Turner. Obviously, there are some warning signs that are apparent. If, if you catch a child, a, a young child hurting an animal, that's something that should cause some concern. If you catch a young child setting fire to a house, that's obviously going to cause you know same degree of concern. But are there some lesser things that maybe would be overlooked that are linked with these sort of behaviors? Sure. So some of that's a great question. So some of the some of the um, acts um, like you know we're, we're at a point now where we're talking about talking about mutilating cats, but it can actually start. Um, much more innocently than that, or, or apparently innocently with, with bugs. Again, this person probably engaged in the type of behaviors that I'm talking about now, hurting bugs, squishing bugs, burning ants with a magnifying glass, things of that nature. Um, I've, had, I've had evaluations with people that have, um, you know, put mice in a toilet bowl and flushed it and enjoyed watching them drown, unfortunately, not to be too graphic, but... Um, and so what you see is all, always a progression. So from, from even, even now we're talking about a progression from this to ultimately, God forbid, hurting a human being. But even from, even from here, from this point, there was a progression from, from lesser egregious behaviors. And the same is true for fire setting. We have people that um, set house, houses on fire, grass fires, brush fires, and stay around and watch the police department because of the power motive. But that began with them burning their toys, burning extra trash, burning, you know, things like that. Um, so you always, always look for any kind of this acting out starting behavior. All children are interested in fireworks, but there's a difference in being interested in fireworks and being interested in burning, you know, family pictures or plastic cups or toys and things like that, you know. Dr. Turner, when you hear uh, uh, that it's been seven since October, two in the last 48 hours, all within the same county down in Thurston County, um, is it fair to say that there's a possibility that the person that's doing this actually lives in that county? I think that that's a safe assumption. Uh, we have something called geographic profiling where um, we can, it's actually a computer program and it, it's incredibly effective where, um, when we examine the location of victims beginning at the, at the start of a spree towards the end, they kind of branch out from this, from this nucleus, which is the, where the person lives or spends most of their time and they branch out from there. You know, one way to look at it is if someone asked you to hide something for them, 
in a place that no one could ever find it, your likelihood of hiding that someone somewhere very close to where you live is higher than driving somewhere that you're not mm. familiar with uh, and have never been in your life and hiding it there. So you could think about it like that. Um, and so this is probably someone that's younger, and that generally means that they're going to be sticking close to home. If all of these are happening around the same area, especially it was it was not to be repetitive, but it was especially important to me to note that these some of these animals were pets, which means they're going to be close to their home, right. uh, not gen- not generally roaming around or you know, uh, um, like I said, at, you know, feral alley cats, that type of thing. So I would think it's a very very safe bet that this is someone that lives near that area. Um, it may be someone that's come to the attention of police before for something like loitering, spray painting, something like that. Maybe someone that's in trouble at school for acting out, fighting, um, whatever the case may be. But I, I think it's a very safe assumption not to get assumption not to get too far away from your original question that the that the perpetrator uh, lives in, in the area where these are happening. Doctor Turner, people who do things like this, serial killers, thing. Uh, people who commit just egregious acts of violence over I, I'm, I'm certain that you've spoken to many people who've done things like that. What did, what did they get out of it? Well, <clears throat> that's an excellent question. And I, in my experience, they get what they get out of it is two things. I think, I think it's a very simple answer to say that it's, that it's all power. Um, I think that's at sort of a paradigm that was presented in the 70s and that everyone has latched on to. I do think that plays an element, but there is a sexual gratification if if someone progresses. So I know we're talking we're not talking about any sexual acts performed on these animals. But if someone progresses to, like you said, you know, uh, a serial killer, if it's of a sexual nature, there is a sexual motivation to that. And that. That motivation is the sexual arousal of causing pain, fear, and humiliation uh, to the other person, and that's called sadism. It's a mm-hmm. it's a paraphilic disorder. It's a diagnosable disorder, um, and so I think that it it is power, it is control. But I also think that there is a, a very strong sexual motivation uh, to those types of behaviors for some people, right. Last one for me, Dr. Turner, would be, is it ever the opposite? Meaning, um, I know you say that, you know, some of these signs can be where the mutilation of animals can um, move on to be where it can possibility of uh, harming adults. Is it ever the other way around where it can start off with harming adults and it goes to animals? You know, that's a that's a great question. And one of the most interesting cases uh, that I was ever involved with was um, a serial killer who had engaged in fire setting as a child and as an adolescent, burning structures, houses, um, things of that nature. And then as an adult started killing women and there was a period of time where he stopped. So as we said earlier with the BTK and Green River Killer, one of your earlier questions about, you know, do do they just keep going until they're caught or is there do they ever stop? So what this guy did was he actually stopped killing for a while and reverted to 
fire setting behaviors and, and setting brush fires, uh, putting, you know, grass fires and, and forest fires and things like that. And he would watch the, um, he would watch the, um, fire teams come and put them out and, and experience the kind of that power rush from that. Um, and during that time he didn't, he did not commit any more, uh, sexual homicides and then stopped and ultimately went back to sexual homicide. So while I've never worked a case and I've never heard of someone that, um, stops killing humans and reverts back to killing animals. I certainly think it's possible. And I certainly think that, um, it can, I, I certainly think that it's possible that it can act as a, as sort of a stopgap. Uh, during, you know, a period of time where access to victims is limited uh, or something of that nature. But I, I think that that would be especially rare. Dr. Turner, I have one more as well. Do you think that there's any chance that anybody in this person's life is oblivious to the fact that he could possibly do something like this? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I think that if... This individual, you know, the the people closest to children, adolescents that are engaging in these types of behaviors generally don't see or know about these types of behaviors. And if we're talking about someone with these urges, if we're talking about someone who has psychopathic tendencies, then what we're also talking about is someone who's quite good at manipulating people and quite good at putting, putting a good foot forward, a good face forward. And appearing less uh, threatening uh, and and appearing um, easy and kind, and so it is absolutely you know you always the the old kind of cliche is that the interview is always the neighbor going boy I was, he was so quiet I right. never would have thought he was such a nice guy, um, and so absolutely there's a there's a element of manipulating others and manipulating the environment so that you are not suspects so that you can go about fulfilling these dark fantasies. We've been talking to forensic psychologist, Dr. Daryl Turner. Dr. Turner, thank you so much for making some time for us tonight. Hey, thank you very much. I think it's great that you guys are spending time and looking at this on the front end, because I think uh, that attention paid to it now could, um, you know, protect people in the long run. So I think it's great. And I'm really happy to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. It's Cairo Knights, 97.3 Cairo FM. Dr. Turner, thank you so much. That was outstanding.